one more game left for Boston College football. We know where they're going to be going, and it's honestly not that far. And they're going to be playing a team that's going to be very familiar with Boston College in the next few years. We're going to get into that. Transfers and recruiting all of this on today's Packed Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black, editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So, BC football, they know their bowl. They're going to be, they were announced on Sunday afternoon. The Eagles are going to be heading right down the street. They're going to take the green line down to the Fenway stop and play against SMU in the Fenway Bowl. And to talk about it, I brought in Eagle Insider staff writer Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? Boy, I'm just thrilled to watch another BC game in a baseball stadium uh, where the field looks terrible and the sight lines from the seats are awful. Uh, So, yeah, this is just par for the course with BCM postseason play. Yeah, and, and 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 you also got to put in it's in the northeast where the field is not meant the second to northernmost bowl in the whole bowl system behind the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise. Right. So, are you having flashbacks of AJ Dillon skating across uh, the Pinstripe Bowl? Oh yeah, and I was there for that. I was there for the 2015 Fenway game in Fenway against Notre Dame. I was there for the first Pinstripe Bowl. So I've 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 uh, had my fair share of up close and personal. Uh, times with BC and playing in stadiums like this. So this is what, you know, we, we've talked about projections, people have been yelling and, uh, and, and talking about what they think BC is going to end up at. And this is, this has been the consistent end result for BC, probably since the Virginia tech loss, it seemed like the Fenway bowl was basically where they were going to end up. You know, if they pulled off a win or two, they could have argued that, you know, for the pinstripe bowl, but that's where Miami ended up against Rutgers, which ugh, that's going to be a ugly game. <laughs> uh, but now, now that we see it in front of us, what's your initial reaction to playing at Fenway? Other than I, we both hate baseball and uh, football in a baseball stadium. I also have a personal <clears throat> antipathy towards Fenway park just because that it's so, and I'm not, I actually like, like the Red Sox are probably one of my AL teams. So I just, the stadium is historic and all that. It's just, terrible to watch a sporting event at and this is just my opinion and i'm sure people are going to be mad at that but i just think the seats are very small there's a lot of obstructed views it's obviously a very unorthodox field layout which i have a whole set of takes on but we don't have to get into that tonight um so and i think it like you said it is frustrating because <clears throat> we expect this for a long time and it seems like for the near for the foreseeable future bc is going to need to get seven wins to get out of the fenway bowl and probably eight or more to get out of the pinstripe bowl if i had to guess and it basically seems like they're just going to bounce back and forth between these two bowls as long as they make bowl eligibility, which, you know, it, it, on one hand, it's good because it's local for the team's families. It's local for a lot of fans. so They can go to the game and, you know, obviously BC gets, you know, clowned on for not having the biggest fan base just by nature of the university. So, <clears throat> you know, on one hand, that's good. But on the other hand, it's like you're playing these bowls in these places where people just don't want to go in the week between Christmas and New Year's, you know, and 
you know, I'm sure if they went to, you know, a Gasparilla or Birmingham bowl, it wouldn't be a great draw, but it'd be good for the team to, you know, you know, get out of town and do some different things. So saying, yep, here's the, <clears throat> here's this, here's the state house. Here's the, here's Faneuil market that you guys have probably been to, you know, 10 times. So you know, <laughs> for your official visits and yeah, exactly. Like you're just repeating weekends, your official you know? visit and it's on Wasabi technologies dime or whatever. Um, so you know, it, like you said, it is what it is. It's good that they're going to bowl game and <clears throat> we'll dive more into the opponent, but in, in future podcasts, but you know, I was doing some preview work on SMU today and this is a, this is a good team. And even though they lost their starting quarterback to a broken leg a few weeks ago, this is going to be a, this is a very, very, very tough draw for BC in terms of their bowl opponent relative to where it could have been in terms of it being maybe UTSA who, you know, eight and four solid team, but I thought BC had a decent chance against them against SMU. It's a, uh, going to be a very different kind of proposition. Yeah. And we'll talk more about SMU in a little bit, but in, in future episodes, but the things that stuck, it stood out to me is this is a team that had, I think one of the top three transfer recruiting classes last year. Um, You know, they're, they're built to win and you're playing against BC who we don't know who's going to opt out. But, you know, the two big names I think we're all going to watch for is going to be Kyle Hergel and Christian Mahogany now that Elijah Jones is 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 gone. Um, and so that means you're missing two-fifths of your offensive line. You have issues, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. It seems like this is a, a tough matchup, and, and Vegas is already speaking. So, you know, we use FanDuel here. I haven't seen FanDuel put out an official – uh, spread yet i looked it up the number the number i saw was four minus 14 for for smu but that was not that i just saw that i didn't see where exactly it came from so i saw but, an action network which i think is where brett mcmurphy works mm-hmm. uh had it at eight and a half um okay well that's a little kinder <laughs> yeah so um I, you know i it, they're gonna be a huge dog in this game and and i see a lot of folks too talking about how smu if they had won, they would have been potentially a New Year's Six team. Is that correct? Well, they did win. I oh, think sorry. If, if, if Tulane had won, they would have been the New Year's Six team probably. Uh, and then sorry, I missed that it would have been between probably SMU and uh, UTSA for this game. And then the other one would have gone to the Military yeah. Bowl. And then it seemed like Memphis was pretty much locked into the Liberty Bowl for the last few weeks, which, kind of, which is kind of the same thing as BC for the – Fenway Bowls that that's where Memphis plays their home games that kind of sucks for them too that they don't even get to do any kind of travel over to uh over their bowl game break I mean and you know on the other hand in terms of you know how bad this bowl location is it's like it's definitely worse for SMU because a lot of those guys are from the south they have to come up to Boston in the week between you know Christmas and New Year's so it's gonna be cold it's gonna be on a grass field that is very unorthodox so you know that gives BC at least some of an advantage and you know maybe BC can try try to find a way to sneak in some extra practices uh in the stadium before SMU gets here or something. So I don't know. But yeah. So I, I also wonder, you know, there's there's the bull payouts and then the bull sponsors that sp- spend money on this. How much of this do you think is BC politicking to stay close so they don't have to pay for um fare, you know, <laughs> to travel? And how much of this do you think is the bulls that are saying, hey, we don't have to pay them to do this kind of stuff. We can just keep them local. It's probably a little column A, column B, if I had to guess. Um, yeah, I, you know, this is I, I just win-win situation for both parties. Right. You don't have to pay their airfare. You don't have to pay hotels because they're right down the street. So it's a great thing for them. Because I was thinking, like, wouldn't it make more sense to bring in, like, novel teams? Like, last year was Louisville and, you know, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati. That's, that was a fun matchup. 
but I'm sure no one in Boston really cares. But yeah, and I think like both because both teams because Satterfield had left Louisville to go Cincinnati, but hadn't taken over yet officially. I think and yep. Brom or Brom had left Purdue to come to Louisville, but he hadn't taken over yet. It was Dion Branch coaching the game, and they had a ton of opt outs because I'm pretty sure Malik Cunningham didn't play in that game. Um, no, so, he didn't. Yeah, so it was yeah. a. It was really a no-show, and I, and I can't remember the score, but I think I remember watching it and being like, this is not a very high-quality football game. And that's, that's the thing with bowl games. We all get so into them, but like with opt-outs and transfers, and like that's something we're going to talk about in a minute, is like these people that are entering the transfer portal are gone. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the depth chart is going to get hacked to crap, um, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, Mitch, any last thoughts about the bowl before we move on? Uh, about this bowl, no, not specifically yet. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of preview work to do about SMU, so... You know, once I get my, once I do some more work on them, then I'll have some more opinions on this. And yeah, and we'll we'll talk more about this. Obviously, this is going to be something that's going to be coming up quite a bit. Now, when you're hiring for your small business, you have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. What are you looking for? Do you have a specific thing for your job? Are you looking for a great communicator, a good leader that has strong communication skills? Make sure you put that in your LinkedIn profile. You're going to find the people that you're looking for because LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy. In fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have the time and resources to hire. So they make it easy with intuitive, quick and easy uh, steps to, to post your job. And that's all you got to do. So go to your job. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. This is locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ black. Now we're in transfer portal season. On Monday, the transfer portal officially opens. Now, you may be seeing folks that have been entering already, and these are mostly graduate students. And that's, you know, football players, they can graduate pretty easy, uh, pretty early for many of them because they're on for summers. They can get credits done pretty quickly. And so they graduate, some of them are graduating a, a lot earlier than you'd expect. Now, on Monday, all the other players can enter. Um, so there could be some surprises. So, what we have. Now, we just finished off a sale on Eagle Insider. We got another one coming up. This one is for transfer, as they're calling it on 247, transfer palooza, which is what people are expecting uh, for a huge day on Monday. Um, but we're going to give you 60% off on Monday for an annual subscription. So if you missed out on our last deal, this is a great deal too. So sign up for a year subscription to Eagle Insider, get my news get Mitch's analysis, get hockey blogger. We've got so much good stuff on the site right now. It will be worth your money, but let's talk about the transfer portal because over the last week, three players entered the portal and I got a comment before Mitch jumps in. I want to address a comment I got last week where someone was saying that I have been hating on the players that have been entering the portal and trashing them, which I want to say I think is absolute nonsense because I have always held firm that if a player doesn't feel like their best interest is with the program that they're in, they should move on. I also look at the program's perspective and say, if a player really isn't doing much, it makes sense for the program to also make a move as well. And that might mean encouraging a player to enter the portal or for 
you know, that player to go and try to find a, a, a spot on another roster. That's not me hating on players. I don't want people thinking that's what I'm saying because it's absolutely not the case. And to start that off, one player that entered the portal this week is one that I thought got kind of a raw deal this year, and that's Emmett Moorhead, who was projected to start the season. If you go back and listen to Mitch and I talk all summer, me and Mitch talked to our face turn blue about how Emmett Moorhead was going to help BC's offense this year. And he played two series, and then we never heard from him again. It was a really weird situation to start the season. You know, Thomas Castellanos took over. Moorhead really didn't get much of a shake, and then he disappeared. Mitch, what were your what are your kind of thoughts on where Moorhead, you know, made his mark at BC and where you think would be a good spot for him to go? Yeah, I think he's the perfect example for this kind of issue you're talking about is that, you know, just moving forward, the path for him to contribute to this program meaningfully was very slim. Uh, so, and that's kind of the case with the other guys that we're going to talk about. And a lot of the other guys that have entered the transfer portal, you know, a guy like Andre Hines, who, you know, toiled away on uh, as being a backup and playing on the scout team for the last few years and got his opportunity <clears throat> in crunch time against Syracuse and made some really good runs, but you know, down the stretch to after that game, he didn't get any carries barely. I don't think he got any snaps. So I think it's just telling that it's okay. You know, we don't really foresee you have the program is saying, you know, we don't really foresee you having a major role here. And, you know, we think that if you should probably enter the portal. So if you want, if you want to continue trying to play and get meaningful playing time, then your best opportunity is moving forward is going to be in the portal. And, you know, for a lot of these guys have different kinds of stories, you know, you've got like Sheeta Salah, who's been here a very long time and has just really had issues staying healthy. A uh, guy like Josh Hardy, who redshirted after playing four or five snaps on special teams last year, hasn't played at all besides that. So, you know, it's just, you're just, you got to be honest with these players as the coaching staff say, Hey, like, you know, based on kind of where we are with roster construction. And we'll get into a little bit of this in one of our later segments uh, about BC's kind of philosophy of roster construction this off season, but returning to Moorhead, um, it, it is a tough break. And the other issue is that when he did come in in this season, you know, he played uh, kind of a mop up duty against Louisville had that one series to open the second half against UConn. He just was not at, he was somehow a lot worse than he was in 2022, despite the offensive line being significantly better, despite the rest of the offensive infrastructure being a lot better minus Zay flowers, obviously. Um, and I'm not, not really sure why that was the case. Um, he was just missing a lot of easy passes that you have to make to be able to be a consistently productive starting quarterback. And uh, I'm not sure why that happened. And I think, you know, he's going to move on and I imagine he'll probably land someplace in the group of five. And I think that can probably help him because he is a good athlete. Obviously is a very strong arm. Um, and, you know, if they can, if he can land with an offense that, you know, can maybe develop a little more and give him some more playing time, I think he can still be like a decent college quarterback. But right now with the direction BC is going with Thomas Castellanos, obviously they're two completely different types of quarterbacks. So, and I'm not sure that that's going to be BC's long-term path. They're not going to keep recruiting, you know, Kyler Murray clones or whatever. So, you know, but at, at just at this stage in time, it just makes more sense for him if he wants to continue trying a Santa college football to, you know, go somewhere else. It's interesting you bring up that, that that's not their their style, but I've got some uh, goodies up on Eagle Insider that maybe mm. it is <laughs> Okay, um, as, as they're looking at other quarterbacks coming up for the class of 24 and 25. So check that out. Now, the other quarterback, uh, not other quarterback, other transfer that came up, there was two. Xavier Coleman, not really much to say about Coleman. He really didn't play all that much for BC. How dare um, you slander this man? <laughs> I know, right? I'm hating. I'm hating. Yeah. Um. But he, he, you know, 
was projected to play running back. I think they threw him in at wide receiver once or twice. Um, he got I mean, hurt. we had, a, I mean, I had a lot of high hopes for Xavier Coleman. Um, yeah, obviously like a very undersized player, but clearly had great speed, great athleticism and, you know, had some, you know, flash, very, very brief flashes here and there, but you know, at the end of the day, it's very hard for a five, 775 player to stick at running back. And, you know, it's, you can, you can make it a receiver. You know, I think about guys like Greg Dortch and Rondale Moore, but you know, those are a, a dime, a, you know, are very few and far between. So, you know, it's just the path for him to be able to contribute at, at this level was just not really there for BC and what they want to do with this team. So, uh, yeah, that's just really the case. And I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that they couldn't figure out a way to use him. Cause I thought, I thought he did have some really good potential, but you yeah, know, he had a big, going... didn't he have a big touchdown catch in one of the spring games. I oh yeah. I yep. Absolutely. I think he burnt. I, I can't remember if they just didn't cover him or, or he burnt somebody in like a sluggo route, but yeah, I think it was like, or maybe it was like a wheel route or something. I think yep. it was two years ago. I think, cause I think Phil Dracovic threw it. So it was a while ago, but yeah, it just wasn't ever really to really able to uh, convert that, you know, speed next kind of, kind of the inverse of Taji Johnson, where, you know, they're both kind of these hybrid players that we've had high hopes for, and they've you know had these great plays in practice, but just haven't really been able to just, you know, make that a consistent part of their game when getting on the field. All right. And then our final player that entered the portal was Jaden Williams. And Jaden had an interesting career at BC. He started off, you know, they played him quite a bit. Then last year he vanished. We, we'll never find out why. I don't know. He just didn't, I don't know if it's hurt, if something else happened. And then this year it was just more, I felt like he was inconsistent again. Like, you know, punts, punt return. It was one of our conversations that we had a lot on the show about like, just feel the dang punts. <laughs> um, and then drops. He had some issues with drops. Now he had, he got better at, at different points throughout the year, but it was just, it was just inconsistency. It was up and down. Um, and, you know, his pro football focus grades all kind of, mirror that that there were games where he looked okay and there were games where he struggled what were your thoughts about his play yeah i mean honestly i think it's been pretty downhill since kind of that since like the missouri game i guess it was in 2021 um you know the rest of that season obviously there was issues with the quarterback position he couldn't really carve out a role in that offense and then in 2022 obviously you know there's a lot of issues on the offense and zay's getting a ton of the targets but he you know didn't really do much to begin the season, then obviously disappeared for the second half. And this year, you know, again, you have some, some, and there, was, there was a lot of issues with the passing game this year. I'll say that, but you know, I would say he wasn't helping him much in that, you know, again, a lot of drops uh, was a frustrating punt returner. Um, so, you know, and I think there definitely is talent there. I think, I think part of the issue, and I've said this a lot is that BC was misusing. It was not using him in the right way. And I thought they got better at that. Uh, this year relative to the previous few years. So you know, that's partially their fault. Um, but I think even he he kind of acknowledged it in his transfer portal statement where he said, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs at BC. And, you know, I think he's he's from Texas, so maybe he transfers somewhere closer to home, uh, closer to his family, um, even though I know Daryl White likes to recruit out of that area. But, and again, it's, it's it, we're all this stuff we're saying. It's nothing personal about the player. It's just, you know, sometimes things don't work out at your, uh, you know, first college. And I think he's going to be a senior this upcoming year, he's got one um, more year of eligibility. Yeah, so, so you know, yeah. I, I think he can definitely be a successful player if, if you know, and I, I, this is the case with a lot of these guys if they can clean up those inconsistencies, and that's just something he wasn't able to do at BC. So, in our final segment, <clears throat> we're going to look at recruiting, and we're going to kind of relate some of what we're talking about here about the transfer portal and how BC's addressing looking at the future, and we'll look at the portal, 
and transfers and recruiting. We've got a whole big end to the show that you're not going to want to miss. Now, FanDuel is the place to go if you want to make $150 in bonus bets because with any winning $5 money line bet, you can win that. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better place to get in on that action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I made a two-way parlay, and I nailed it this week. It felt so good because I've, I've been running a, a tough streak, and I had um, – it was the Dallas Cowboy game, and I had anytime touchdowns for Jason Ferguson and Tony Pollard, and Jay Ferguson Percy. had that touchdown at the very end. I was like, nice. Um, so that was good. Uh, so you can you can get in on that, and especially with bowl season coming up, FanDuel's perfect. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Locked on BC, AJ Black. I'm with Mitch Wolf of Eagle Insider. We're wrapping things up here. Gonna talk about recruiting a little bit because this has been the hot topic on on uh Twitter. I get Text tweets constantly. AJ, why aren't you asking the staff this? AJ, why isn't anyone holding the staff accountable? What's going on with all these decommitments? What's happening with this? And I get it, man. Like, as someone who covers the recruiting as as like the main part of my job on the on the site and two four seven, that's a big piece of what we do. It's it's disconcerting. Right now, BC's at I think seven commitments for the upcoming class, uh, as they lost Cam Gwynn. Uh, a defensive lineman from Ohio. He was a three-star c- recruit that was originally uh, committed to Toledo, but took an official visit to BC in June and committed shortly after. Um, I'm not going to get into the reasons why it wasn't because of NIL. It wasn't because uh, he wants to go to another school. Other things happen. That happens out there. Okay. But this is the start of a pattern, right? You have Cam Gwynn, you have um, you've had a bunch of players that have decommitted. You had uh, Jackson Santiago, Christian Zamore. The class is getting smaller and smaller, and now you're looking at this class. BC's recruiting class, I believe, is 110th in the country, but they're going for a different approach here. Whether you agree with it or not, this is what they're doing, and I think the 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 elephant in the room. And I think you all know this. If you, if you look deep in your heart is that everyone at Boston college knows that Jeff Halfley has to win next year, that it, it, they can't do what they did last year. And I even say this year, they need to do better. And so true freshmen, when you have a scholarship crunch, because that's what they have, they're only graduating like five or six guys is happening because of that COVID year. So that's why you're seeing some guys push out too, because they got to get some scholarships open. And, now, and let's, if, let's make this clear. Cause I think this, this is something a lot of people don't understand is that because a lot of these guys transferring are grad transfers, there's yep. like a, not a net gain in scholarship. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Continuing. So if you are the head coach of BC, you know that you got to win. <laughs> you just got to win. Right. True freshmen are not going to help you next year. And if you only have X amount of scholarships, you yeah, you want to develop true freshmen. And I'm sure the staff still, that's their goal. You need bodies. As we saw this year uh, grinded on, the depth of this team was not good enough to win. So you look at the transfer portal. 
you're going to be, I, I expect Jeff Halfley to hit that portal hard this year. And that is why you're going to get a small class in 24. This, this COVID year that is really screwy, especially for us to cover it. It's like trying to figure out things. It's, it's it makes things a little bit challenging, but it, it's the same way for the staff too, right? They have to think about, you know, how many spots they have, you know, it's, it, it screws up their, their development of certain players. And, you know, it, it, it puts a lot of wrinkles out there. And so going into next year, yeah, this recruiting class isn't good. It's not, there's no way to put, to, to, to put, put lipstick on a pig on this. It's just not, I mean, you're 110th in the country. It is what it is, but BC can still fix this with a good transfer portal class. I think that's where we're at. So Mitch, I just said a lot. I'll let you talk and add what you want to say. Yeah. We've talked to people inside the program and they've pretty much confirmed that this is the strategy that BC is going with. They're going to be exceptionally aggressive in the portal this offseason. And <clears throat> I think part of the reason why people are so upset is because we're not getting any of those portal commits in yet because the portal hasn't opened for undergraduate players. So there just hasn't been a lot of movement, but we've seen, I mean, if you look at a lot of the other programs, they are also losing a ton of players to the portal. Look at a player like, look at a program like Pitt. If you've been tra- if I, I like follows people in the Pitt media space. And so I see these things, they've lost a ton of players in the portal, um, including like a few like key starters. So, uh, you know, it's happening pretty much everywhere that you're going to have Wake this happen. There's a way up there too. I was yep. looking at them the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's obviously a ton of, <clears throat> a lot of reasons why these players can be leaving. You know, some are probably leaving for NIL. Some are just looking for more playing time. So obviously you're going to see a ton of movement. <clears throat> and, you know, like you said, even if BC had the number of scholarships to bring in a 15, 20 player high school class, how many of those players would be meaningfully contributing to winning games this upcoming season not a lot because you have a lot of players that are you have a lot of starters especially i would say pretty much everywhere except the secondary you have starters you just need depth players or guys that can come in and play and allow your younger players to sit and incubate and not have to thrust them into starting roles or more or roles where they're playing a lot more whereas if you just bring in a bunch of freshmen you're not gonna you're gonna try not to play them because you need your older guys uh, you need those guys that are already here who still need more time to develop. You're just going to keep giving them more playing time. And that leads to them struggling and not having the proper development arc. So, you know, I think we'll get into more about like You've talked about like what exactly BC needs on the website. Um, but I think you're going to see, you know, BC going after some guys who are going to come in and be meaningful contributors. Because like you said, you know, we, we've talked about it on this podcast we, that Halfley needs to win immediately. And this is obviously a much more, a much harder schedule coming next year. And, True freshmen are not going to help you surmount that schedule. So I'm sure that there are people who disagree with this strategy and that, and that's fine. You know, I think there are, there are some flaws in it, but this is kind of the only path the staff has right now, because if they were to bring in that old high school class, the results would be the same as this year or even worse, especially against a much harder schedule. So um, question here asking if they're in on any trap transfers, a big part of it is, Oh, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Keep, keep going. Um, so obviously part of it is that, there's going to be a lot of guys entering today, Monday, December 4th. So we'll have an idea of that. I, I have heard there's there. If you follow on Twitter that they are offering a lot of people from a lot of different programs, uh, some FCS, some group of five, some, uh, no, not as much power five, but a lot of guys who are playing very well at lower levels. And we've seen like a guy like Kyle Hurgle can come in and be a meaningful contributor in that way. So that's one way they could do it. Um, 
but we obviously don't have a ton of names directly yet, but I, I can just tell you that they are being very aggressive in terms of going after guys. Um, I, and I, and it, it's already been out there. So I'll, I'll tell you uh, one name that they had for an official visit this weekend, which is Kamari Walker, a tight end from Kamari Morales. Um, I, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Kamari Morales, a tight end from UNC. So they're also going after power five guys too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a more of a quiet weekend. So yeah. I also want to add Dennis Monahan asked a good question. I think it's worth talking about. Where does this put them three years down the road? Does this essentially pivot the entire recruiting practice to the 75, 25 going forward? I don't know if we're there to say if it will be or not. I, nope. I, I, I generally don't think so. Um, yep. I think that just the way I think, and this is still the COVID year is kind of, kind of affecting this because you have guys like, like Cam Arnold and Cam Horsley are coming back for a fifth year. You have guys like Ozzy Trapillo, uh, got Jack Conley, I think is coming back too. So you have a lot of these older guys that are still going to be around and eventually they will age out. Um, so, but this year you kind of need those guys who can come in and play now. And I, again, the strategy is if you can perform well next year, you know, if they go six, we've, I, I talked about this on the message board and kind of in, in reply to my rant about program expectations is that there's many different types of six and six. And if BC goes six and six next year, against a much harder, harder schedule. It's like, Hey, this is a pretty good six and six year. Um, so, you know, if they do that and Halfley gets another year to stick around, then, you know, you say, oh, you know, this guy's put together a pretty good program. They're winning. They want a tough schedule. You can kind of, you know, salvage in the 2025 class where you say you bring in, that's where you get back to that 15 to 20, maybe even 20 plus uh, size high school class. So I think just the way that the kind of roster has developed and where it's strongest, where it's weakest in terms of, uh, in terms of where it's most deep in terms of age, this is kind of just, I, th- I think this is more, likely going to be a one-off year strategy than a complete pivot from BC. And then um, we got to, we got to wrap things up because I'm supposed to keep this around a nice tight half hour, but Jim Miller asked a good question. Why would BC be any more desirable to someone in the portal than a kid out of high school? 110 is about right for both. I could tell you BC is desirable for kids in the portal because they're, they play an NF like look at why Ryan O'Keefe came here last year. He came here after a three and nine season because he knew that he could play in an NFL style program and that will help his recruiting stock. You have other players like Kyle Hergel that wanted to play, you know, on a good offensive line in a power five program. There's a reason guy like, why guy like, like George Takis who couldn't get playing time at a very, very, very good program, you know? Right. And you're right, Jim, like BC's not going to get elite recruits. I I mean, transfers, I don't think, but they could get some surprising. Like Ryan O'Keefe was when he came in, I know he got hurt this year, but I think he had 150 catches over the last two years. He wasn't like the slub that you just brought in. Um, And so you've been, you've been able to get some names and I don't think, I think 110 is, is being a little bit, um, really pessimistic about what their options are going to be. Cause if you're going to get a guy that's going to come in for one year, it doesn't matter what Halfley's, you know, hot seat ratings are or whatever that is. They're going to want to just play. And if they can play here and play in a power five program, it's an attractive option. Mitch, any, any last nope, thoughts? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I think we see this a lot with coaches is, you know, FBS is FBS power five is power five. Those are, there's a limited number of those schools and, um, they're always going to be guys who want to play at that level. So, and, you know, I think for grad transfers, you know, I think if you are somebody going to specific lines of work, you know, BC is a very attractive option to get a mat, get, you know, a graduate degree from. So that's another part of it. All right. And so we're going to wrap things up, Mitch, any last thoughts before we go? 
No, if we wanted to do a whole episode about the playoff and all that, which I, I'm sure some people have opinions on, but we would have need a whole other episode to break all that down. All right, and I, I was going to talk about Nolan James who committed to BC. I, I got a whole episode of stuff I couldn't even get into today because there was so much stuff happening this weekend. I'll talk to, on tomorrow's show about Nolan James, a 25 running back that just committed to BC. We're going to talk about the basketball game and a disappointing loss against NC State. We'll talk about hockey and their make uh, their. Uh, split with Northeastern this past weekend. Plus, the the transfer portal opens. I don't even know how I'm going to get all this in tomorrow's show. It's going to be crazy. But if you don't want to wait for the show, head over to Eagle Insider. I got all the news breaking over there. Make sure you bookmark that page. Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, we're having an article coming out about uh, <clears throat> that change in recruiting philosophy or portal philosophy from D.C. coming out in the next few days. Uh, obviously, have portal or sorry not portal stuff well that too but uh stop previewing the bowl game um i actually just bought my ticket to boston for the bowl game so i will be going um so you know we'll have tons of stuff and as you mentioned you got that deal for 247 for the transfer portal palooza so uh yeah just keep your eyes on eagle insider and follow me on aj at on twitter at aj black 247 you can follow mitch at mitchell t wolf thank you all for following on and if you're an everyday um if you are someone who uses us on spotify and on unwrapped or you're wrapped or whatever that's called. And we're number one on your podcast. Shout me out on Twitter at locked on BC or at AJ black two, four, seven. I had a few that have been added, um, but I love to find you crazy people that listen to BC sports all the time. And I uh, have the top um, top of the line. I, I I'll tell you, and I'm not going to give away a name, but a former f- player recently, his dad was a big listener to our show and he doesn't play for the program anymore and sent me his wrapped and said, look, AJ, I still listen to you. So, it, they're out there. Um, thank you all who have been listeners. Uh, you guys are the lifeblood of this podcast. I say that every week, but I want to pre- I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back again tomorrow for another episode. For Mitch, this is AJ. We'll see you all again soon for Locked On Boston College, your team every day.